to Harpen on Rugby. My name is Jeff Pagano, and after seven weeks of almost exclusively Leinster-based pods, we're now swapping into our Irish jerseys, whatever shade of green they might be, to look ahead to the Autumn Nation series. And from, with me for this bonus pod are a pair of fellow hosts from Fine Provincial Podcasts. First from up north is the operator of the Red Hand Pod. He's back for his second Harpen cap. Hello to Mr. Peter Lockhart. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me back. No problem at all. Good having you back. And uh, also with us is someone back for his 10th appearance. He runs the Connet-centric online entity known as The Second Row. Welcome back to Mr. Parra Kelly. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be back. 10 caps. That has flown by. I know. Ten that's years. it. Yeah, you're really, really climbing the charts. Do I get a special badge or an actual cap or anything? Or does that like, get, wait cap 100? I'll, I'll, I'll get our mar marketing department onto that and we'll see, <laughs> see where we're going. But uh, it's definitely, definitely, definitely a good figure to reach, all right. Of course, if you haven't checked out their online offerings, you'll find all the relevant links in the program notes. So, right, gents. Well, like I said, we're, we're here to talk about Andy Farrell's Irish squad, which had an incredible 2021-22 campaign. Three from three last November, a very close second in the Six Nations to easily the best French squad in over a decade. And, of course, that famous series win down in New Zealand to cap it all. So now the question is, after something similar happened in uh, 2018, uh, how do we build on that success to keep it going right up to the 2023 World Cup, which is still almost a year away? So this coming Saturday, we lead off our autumn schedule with our biggest challenge, with our number one world ranking getting put to the test against a Springbok side that has already been named and looks really formidable. And also, of course, there's a very exciting looking A side facing an all-black selection on the Friday evening. So first, what I've asked the lads to do is go back over the seven weeks we've just seen in the URC with also, of course, the Emerging Ireland Tour. And I look not from a provincial point of view, but a test level one and talk a bit about players which may have stood out in that time. So, Peter, I'll go to yourself first and maybe you can single out a couple of backs for me. Yeah, of course. And I, I mean, I could talk uh, about a lot of guys, but I know we're probably limited for time. Uh, I wasn't even going to be completely biased and, and talk about only Ulster guys. I think, um, and I'll, I'll come on to the guys I've chosen, and they are in fact Ulster guys, um, because I have to represent, I really do, um, as a big Ulster fan. So, That's it. That's why we uh, have you here. We want to hear some different <laughs> voices. Been banging on about Leinster for the past seven weeks, so it's good to, good to hear some over, an overall view. Saying that, saying that, I want to give a shout out to Jamie Osborne. I think he's a class player. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, no doubt, on that subject. And Jamie Osborne's great. I'm very excited to see him play um, with James Hume. What a powerful centre partnership that'll be for Ireland A uh, on Friday night here. Um, I, I think that's a tantalising combination. You know, those guys... Uh, will be formidable to play against and um, he's one of the backs that I'm very excited to see come through in combination with with James Hume who's a, who's an he's an obvious one but I think we know enough about James Hume and everyone sings his praises and we know how dynamic and powerful he is um, the, the other guy uh, and this is a crafty way of getting in and not just narrowing my choice down I want to say the people in nearly wanted to talk about <laughs> In, ter in terms of the URC rounds one to seven, uh, another guy I want to give a shout out to, and I think his international days are most likely over, is Luke Marshall. Luke Marshall has had um, this Indian summer, sort of uh, as his career looked nearly over, and he's this, he's playing in such uh, such form. The, there's a lot of chat that he could actually earn a call up eventually. So if he keeps on in this trajectory and uh, he's rekindled his old form, uh, he he wouldn't look out of place back in the Ireland team. But look, those things said, 
I think realistically he's done. Do, do, do you know internationally a fantastic Ulster player? Though I just wanted to give him a shout out. Mm-hmm. The two guys I want to focus on, um, and it's, it's largely stemming from the emerging Ireland tour um, uh, and the experience uh, that was for a number of guys ended up being a very positive one. I wasn't completely sold on the emerging Ireland tour at all, but I think actually guys have emerged from that tour with extra credit. Um, and in combination with uh, the URC rounds one to seven, the two guys I'm going to go with are Nathan Duke and Robert Balakun. I mean, this isn't breaking news. These guys are very talented, but I suppose we're in an Ulster rugby bubble up here. I particularly am, and I want to, to spread the, the news about these guys uh, <laughs> and go a bit more into, into what makes them so good. So in terms of Nathan Duke, I always say Nathan Duke plays with a confidence and assuredness of someone a lot older than him. So um, he, he's in the mold of a ruined Pinar, um, who, who everyone listening to this will be aware of. You know, he's quite tall for a scrum half. He controls the game very well. That's been a, a feature of um, most Ulster scrum halves for the last wee while, John Cooney and Ruin Pinar before him. Similarly, Duke commands the game from... Uh, the the back of uh, do you know from the back of rocks with um, his his solid box kicking sniping runs as well do you know he needs to work a wee bit more than that um, testing defences around the fringes um, I think we'll see more of uh, that as he progresses and gains in confidence now the, the key thing is Duke is only twenty okay so. He has a lot of opportunity to come on physically and in terms of his maturity and ability to boss a game. Uh, looking through the other sort of competition at nine, you've got Caelan Blade, 28, um, JGP, 30, and uh, Casey, who is the, is the other guy coming through. He's 23, captain in the Ireland A team. Uh, and in a couple of years, I firmly believe he'll be deputising for Doak for Ireland. Um, and that's not that's not putting Craig Casey down. It's it's more a reflection of how good I think Duke is. He really is the the next big thing. I don't think I'm completely Ulster biased. I just I watch plenty of provincial rugby and like he's one of the most exciting guys um, coming through uh, the, the ranks. Uh, and people people sort of see Craig Casey as the not the 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 next guy coming through, but that's because he's a few years older. But when when Duke catches up um, and gets a few more games under his belt, he'll be well able. Uh, the, the other one I want to talk about is Robert Balakun. Again, this isn't breaking news, but Balakun's a great player. Um, pe- people recognise that. He's held back slightly, and it's partly his fault and partly um, partly the, the fault of, of the various systems that he's played in is he's held back by lack of involvement in the game. I think he has a reputation as being incredibly laid back, uh, which can be to his detriment. And in many ways, you you can tell, I like comparing players to other other players that have gone before. I think it helps explain. And I think he's very similar to Tommy Boo. Uh, Similarly laid back, tall, wiry, a sprinter with the ability to pick a line from deep. 
Um, Tommy Bow was facilitated. He played a good bit at both uh, fullback and centre, mm. uh, and that got him involved in the game. Balakun has, has played almost exclusively on the wing. That's where he plays. He needs to be f- facilitated more. Something that uh, happened on the Emerging Ireland Tour was that he was brought in uh, with strike plays to bring him in from deep, and it worked to really good effect. And so I'd like to see more of that. Uh, yeah. with Ireland and, and even you look through that, that that team you basically guess the Ireland team uh, that, that's going to be picked it looks like Balakun might start uh, Mac Hansen and, and Hugo Keenan uh, in, the, in the back three so I'd love to see that there's chat that Ringrose will play in the wing uh, give Balakun a go mm. I'll, I'll, I'll get on I'll get on to that uh, but that's something Ireland need to do a wee bit more is, is experiment and, and look this is the age-old debate. Do you play to win games or do you, do you play to, to blood guys and get experience? Now, you have to do a mix. I suspect I suspect Andy Farrell will go um, full whip against, against South Africa and play his absolute strongest team, which uh, we can get into, the, in, in, into that debate another time. But those are the two guys I want to point out. Two backs from Ulster. Um, again, uh, it, it, it's not the most original co- comment, but um, uh, worth emphasizing those guys um, are, are top, top players. No, very good. Yeah, no, just, I mean, originally what you said about uh, Luke Marshall, I mean, just, I want to give him a shout out as well, because before the, um, before Ulster played Leinster, I, I had uh, Ian Frizzell on and uh, we were talking about, we were talking about him and McCluskey and we were just saying like, after the New Zealand tour, it was like we only had four centers, Henshaw, Ringrose, Hume, and Aki. But uh, when you look at that center pairing, just that alone, McCluskey and Marshall, either the, that, the two of them could slot into an Irish team pretty much no problem, and uh, you'd, you'd get a good outing out of them. So we're definitely well-stocked. I mean, I, you know, I think you say, I, I think it's more of a case that there's more too many people gone ahead of him. He's been very unfortunate with injuries, as we all know, over the years and stuff. But uh, it's great to see him back playing for Ulster. And like you say, if he keeps going the way he is, um, you know, you, you, you never know what's going to happen. And uh, on Doak, uh, what you said about Ruin Pienaar is exactly, it's exactly what I was thinking when he was playing opposite him, uh, playing the Cheetahs. It was that, that <laughs> it was, it just stood out to the two of them there. You say this guy was probably a ball boy for him at some point uh, down at the Kingspan uh, when he was, when he was there. And uh, it, it, he's definitely in that mold. And uh, he was there with him right in front of him to learn off him as well uh, for a while de- at, at, at Ulster. So uh, it was, um, uh, he's he's definitely got a good uh, good future ahead of him, and uh, yeah, yeah Balakun definitely. It's we I, I forgot to mention that that A team was was actually named um, today as on the day we're recording, and it really it's a, it's almost the perfect twenty three. Um, outside, you know, Andy Farrell has stuck with the same kind of core of players um, for the past year, and uh, and he's had success, so you can't really argue with that. But when you're looking for the ones outside it, I think he's done well uh, with that emerging tour. I was exactly the same as you. Um, I wasn't crazy about it, especially with its timing. But once the matches are being played and you see these players performing, plus they were getting the results, it, it, you really we did learn a lot about these players, and it was a good experience for them as well. So, um, and and Balakun is definitely one of those players who's really knocking on the door of the team. He's not just a guy. He's not just a guy who's going to finish, uh, beat a couple of guys on the wing and score. He's 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 working on his defense. He's working on all the different aspects that Andy Farrell will want from him, and joining in on strike plays, like you say, and all those kind of things. So uh, it looks like he's going to he could be involved against the Springboks. That's the kind of faith uh, Farrell has in him. Okay, so over to yourself, Parikh. Uh, what forwards have caught your eye in that time? Um, I'm going to be a bit kind of eccentric for my first uh, first name, and that's Niall Murray. I think at the URC level, he has been incredible. 
and I'm going to be that guy of like, if he played for another province, but I think if he was playing and doing his stuff in Munster or Leinster or Ulster, I think people will be talking about him the way they talk about Joe McCarthy and Tom O'Hearn. He's just been incredible. Um, his brother, Darmory made his debut last weekend and he looks like he's the tight headlock we've all been dreaming of. Um, I think up front, across the board, it's been an odd opening season for everyone. I think um, the Leinster pack have stood out and done well, but the scrum is under pressure. I think Sheehan has been fantastic in the loose and he's just one of those players that everyone wants to have on their team. Um, at emerging iron level, I, it is Tom O'Hearn and Joe McCarthy who just had a great three games, did themselves like a world of good. And Kian Prendergast, he's just, he's just there, isn't he? He's just one of those guys who's going to be in that team going forward. It's great to see him, the likes of Marty Moore, getting a second win with Ireland now in the A team. These guys are putting in good work for their provinces and getting rewarded. Um, I wasn't fondest at that Emerging Ireland Tour because it kind of leads to this how do you get into the Ireland squad debacle um, and we'll see how that goes forward I think the best way to do it is good performances for your provinces I think that's what those guys have done Yep, definitely. And yeah, there's, it's just, uh, it's amazing how many options there are across the provinces. I mean, that's, that's, that's really the main thing. Okay, next I want to have a look at the approach of the team in general. Uh, we've touched on it a bit already, but uh, as we've learned in the past, uh, having a successful run makes upcoming opposition put a lot more focus on your style of play. So it's important to be flexible and be able to try a few different things. And starting with yourself, Peter, in what way do you think Andy Farrell can look to evolve from the successes of the past 12 months? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think Ireland are on the right trajectory, and I think that's been said a number of times. I think Farrell came in for some criticism uh, when he took the job on initially. Um, he got Ireland playing maybe a different style, uh, freed up uh, Ireland a bit more. Ireland had been uh, historically very conservative. Uh, that, that's what it cost us at previous World Cups. Uh, the style was prescriptive. Um, and uh, everyone knew their role, but uh, there was no plan B. Uh, now, this could be an issue uh, again, not because uh, Farrell's overly prescriptive, but in terms of um, uh, plan B in terms of depth will be our issue. Um, uh, I think we have a, a team good enough, and we are, we're right up there. I don't pay much attention to world rankings, but we're right up there as one of the top teams in the world. I think we are at a fairly unique moment in history where we have depth in most positions, but we have one set of players uh, who are maybe uh, uh, just that just that level above, and there's very few positions uh, where there's two world class players competing for the same role. Okay, so I, I think we need to uh, use this opportunity against um, good quality opposition, um, particularly. This game against South Africa and Australia, uh, Fiji is a different proposition. Uh, uh, guys, guys might get a run out against Fiji, but against South Africa, we're playing, um, we're playing against a huge pack. Uh, again, that's that's uh, not breaking news, but you look at that pack, uh, Kitchoff, the future Ulster player, fingers crossed. Um, uh, Malherba, Etzebeth, um, Lud Diager, 
Kalisha, it's just a it's a hugely powerful pack. Now, do we try and match that pack? I I don't think we can in terms of power. Um, we'll need to get in disrupt um, and frustrate. Um, we have we have the back row to do that. And again, you pretty much pick. Uh, we we know we know who's going to start for Ireland. I think uh, I, I'm going to stick my neck in the line and say a back row of Caelan uh, Doris, probably Peter Omani and uh, Josh van der Fleer. Um, so uh, with uh, the, there's uh, Bird and Conan to come on as well. So I think we've we've uh, we've a good enough back row. We're probably slightly light at second row. Um, uh, James Ryan not hitting the heights of, uh, but, but I mean James Ryan, excellent rugby player by anyone's standards. Just maybe isn't at that level that he used to be. Um, I'd love to see Henderson back in the team. I think he had a level of abrasiveness and physicality that would be very useful against uh, South Africa. But I want to see uh, I want to see Tag Burn get in competing, slowing slowing them down, frustrating them, uh, and we probably need to be a bit more clever than South Africa because we're not going to match them in terms of size. So uh, I think what can Ireland do differently? Just to go back to your question, uh, I think we just need to we need to experiment with different combinations. I think we need to wrap Sexton and cotton wool. Um, as much as possible. Uh, Sexton's playing some of the rugby of his life and, and he's played enough at a top level. I don't think he needs to be tested anymore. Uh, I think there's a massive drop off in quality and it's no disrespect to the get, like, get likes of uh, Carberry or, uh, or or Byrne or Cardi or whoever you, you, you bring in below him. But uh, yeah, I think um, there's... I, th I think in the front row we're a bit light as well. I think uh, both sides, the scrum, Kane Healy's not the player he used to be. Quality, quality player, but not the player he used to be. Uh, Finlay Bealham is a massive drop-off um, uh, from Tag Furlong, who's the, he's probably the, the best tight head prop in the world and has been for some time. So I think uh, I think we, we need to experiment with those combinations, as I say, even even at centre, we've got we've got some guys there. McCloskey, it'd be interesting to see what he can bring. McCloskey, uh, Ulster fans for many years have been crying out for his inclusion, and now it looks like he's going to, to going to be on the bench uh, on Saturday. And uh, to be honest, previously I probably wouldn't have agreed that McCloskey should be there. Controversial, but uh, for an Ulster fan, but. Uh, Truly, McCloskey this season or, uh, and towards the end of last season has been in the, the form of his life. Um, and, and he's at his peak at the minute, peak of his powers. He's refined his game. Everything seems to be clicking for him. And so I'd like to see McCloskey feature a bit more. So in terms of um, what, what we need from Ireland that maybe we haven't seen previously, it's uh, experimenting with depth, uh, continuing to... Um, adapt depending on the opposition uh, which we never did before in World Cups uh, we we had a game plan we stuck to it you have to be adaptable um, and you have to be you have to be able to um, have to look at your opposition and their strengths or weaknesses and adapt to that and I remember um, we, we I was there in with 2015 and, and 2019 um, we, we've been put out in, in the quarterfinals I, 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 in games that we could have won. Um, 
and uh, <laughs> to avoid that, we need to we need to start getting guys involved um, in playing these in, the, in these top level games. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I think what Andy Farrell's managed to do, I mean, on top of all. Outside of the tactical aspect of it, but another another part of his 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 role as the head coach overseeing it is just putting belief in the players. I mean, there's there's no way they're winning that series in New Zealand if they didn't go into it. And I mean, even the first test, believing they could, and they started that first test really well as well. You know, they were getting the first score in every game, and it's a belief. And um, I also agree with you saying about the rankings. You can't, you know, they're it's arbitrary. The numbers, they you don't know where they get them from, but. The reality of it, I mean, if I'm Andy Farrell, the way he's going now, I would say, listen, lads, you're number one at the moment. Get out there and play like it and and believe that you play like you deserve to be there, that you deserve it. You know, it's you can use it. You can use that kind of thing. And I think he likes to he likes to instill that kind of overall belief in his team that that, that, that they can do what they want. I mean, and I think you're right. They do need to experiment. They, they definitely can't go with exactly what they what what got them the success last season you it's the way the game is at the moment you have to be able to evolve from one season to the next because i mean we would have loved to play the box the week after we played the all blacks with the same team and we'd be we would have been ready to go and ready to play them but that's not how the game works and you've had matches in between there's other players coming up we've had a few injuries we have to be able to cope with that and and this will be this will be a big test for them well what do you think parik like i'd agree with a lot with the peter said there evolving how we play and keep that under Andy Farrell we've changed how he played over the last couple of years and we're keep tweaking and adding new things I think that's going to be the key to keeping us a very good team not to sit back on our laurels not to let teams figure us out I think what Andy Farrell does very well and his team has done very well is keep adding little bits to how we play and controlling what we do. But at the same time, it's our analysis on the opposition and what they do is what's key. Um, we're going against a very good team in South Africa soon and they just face a different prospect. And I think that's actually where the Irish management team have to do their biggest work. Start how to work out how to play against these bigger, more, you could, some could say more powerful teams, but definitely who are more known for their big power forwards, their big packs, and how we deal with that because that's going to be the big thing to do and going forward across these three matches I'd like us to get away from the idea that we could name the Irish 23 for every big match going forward right now because I think we could like I think if everyone's firing fit we could name the 23 for the South Africa game tomorrow the game against England the Six Nations the France Six Nations any potential World Cup quarterfinal we could name that right now I'd like players to put a hand up to make that a bit more of a question mark if possible over the next three weeks. And I, I think Andy Farrell should be using this opportunity just to change that picture of what the Irish starting 23 is. Yeah, it, because that was a real that was a key almost to the successes of last year that he did have this core uh, element of most of the 23 that he stuck with when, you know, injury uh, um, you know, injury aside, um, and that was great for then, and it got us, got us the, got us to those great heights. But uh, like you say, it, it, it you can't con continue that over the course of a year, but with injuries, but also other players coming through, the other teams, you know, knowing what you're going to do, and um, you, you do need to vary, vary your options. And you know, like we've said, 
Um, there are a lot of options coming through. There are a lot of players that need blooding, but of course they're running out of time now to, to, to give them uh, opportunities. So hopefully this game on Friday and maybe Fiji and stuff like that, plus a couple of opportunities in these big matches, uh, we'll be able to do that and, and, and see what happens. Okay, right. Just to round things off, uh, I'm going to ask the boys to get their predicting hats on and look not only what they're expecting from Ireland over the coming weeks, but also to pick out a couple of other nations, one they feel might have a good series and one uh, they think might struggle. Starting with yourself, Peter. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I fully expect Ireland to win all three of these games. Uh, and I think it's time that we uh, started to believe, you know, um, there's sometimes that mentality that uh, oh, it's South Africa, it'd be no shame losing to them at home. But you know, I, I fully expect to, to to win all three, especially it's in Dublin. Um, in terms of injuries, we're actually doing okay at the minute. Uh, we've got a pretty, you compare it to the likes of one of the other teams I'm going to talk about in a second, France. Um, I think we're doing pretty well. Um, and I, I expect the win. So we've got South Africa, Fiji, Australia, um, and uh, Fiji will be uh, an experimental game. I'm not too concerned about the results uh, because we've done everything in Ireland. We've, we've done everything. They beat the All Blacks um, uh, routinely now. Um, <laughs> we've, we've, uh, we've won uh, the Six Nations a number of times. What we need is a, is a World Cup, and we need to get to the semi-final of a World Cup at least. And... Um, that's what everything should be geared towards. So I'm not overly concerned about the results of these games. I just want to see players blooded, but we've talked about that. So like, I think we can win all these, but I'm not, not overly concerned, particularly against Fiji. I want to see uh, a lot of guys thrown in. I want to see Osborne. I want to see uh, James Hume play. Uh, I want to see Nathan Doak get a, a shot as well. So in terms of other nations, uh, I think one of the, the, the countries that will struggle or uh, New Zealand. I, I think New Zealand um, are, are looking a wee bit ropey. Um, pretty close against Japan. Uh, do you know, played them there. And um, yeah, I just, they're not the, maybe not the team they used to be. And that doesn't detract from Ireland's, Ireland's win over them. Um, I, I just think you look through that squad, doesn't have the same number of superstars there that used to have. It used to be, it was just a who's who of unbelievable uh, world-class players. There, there's still a bit of that, but it's not not the same level. One of the exciting teams I mentioned there, France, uh, they have a number of players out injured at the minute, so they're bringing in, I think for this, they've got uh, uh, Argentina, uh, Georgia and South Africa. Yeah. And uh, they they have I think nine new caps uh, coming in, and that's partly uh, injury. So Olivon uh, got injured his ACL. That they're always an interesting proposition. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you've uh, I had Ireland uh, just before we get to Parig. Um, I, I did this myself and I had Ireland winning all three games as well. I had France um, being the good team as well. Um, but almost by definition, because I think they're going to do well, I, I went South Africa because if South Africa lose those first two games, that's going to be – That's. I mean, they've come with a really strong team, but I still think it, those, it is very possible they could lose those first two games. And I don't think there's any way they could call anything back against Italy and even England after that to consider themselves a good tour. So I think that'll be a bad tour for them. But, yeah, no, definitely New Zealand are in a, are in a, are in a vulnerable spot as well. It's unusual to be saying that about multiple teams from the Southern Hemisphere, all right.
And uh, that just leaves yourself, Parag. I'm going to not really break the trend. I'll go with a three Irish wins. Uh, but I think we're going to really struggle against South Africa. I think Ireland and I think given that we have Leinster's front row and teams are uh, finding Leinster's front row out for at scrum time, I think that's the biggest worry going into that game. If we can keep the ball alive, don't get bogged down in that type of game. We'll we'll get by by five to seven points, but that will be the biggest struggle of the three games. I I think we're going to beat Fiji and Australia. I don't want to say handily, but hand like we won't be struggling to beat them. And I think when looking at all the teams and the form they're in coming into this tournament, the guys from the rugby, the teams from the rugby championship, they have such weird form. I don't think you could say any of them are going to do really well per se. I think England uh, tinkered. So I'd agree with you there on France, just being the team to be, to beat across these next couple of weeks. The teams that will struggle, I'm going to go with Scotland. Mm. Even Wales, I just think they're not quite firing. Their pro- their teams at provincial club level aren't quite doing as well as they should be doing. And I think Scotland, especially without Finn Russell, they're just the team that m- are missing that something special that can that changes an almost win to a win. Look at the Australia game; they had that game sewn up a few times, and but they had no goal kicker. It's a worry for me looking at Scotland going forward for them. But that, that that's why I think you're going to struggle. Uh, mainly, I think the Southern Hemisphere teams will pick up wins across the way as comfortably or not. Who knows? Like the Springboks, think about it. A lot of their guys are mid-season. They're not coming to the end of the season. So they're not going to be as tired as they normally would be. It, which leads to a really interesting kind of next couple of weeks for everyone. Absolutely, yeah. No, there's de- de- definitely. On. I had Wales and Scotland as well. Um, before I, you know, when I was choosing the Springboks, I just thought, you know, if they lost the first couple of games, uh, as I was predicting, that th- that would be it. That would define a struggle for them. But there's no question, Wales and Scotland are coming into a place where they, 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 they really need some form, but they're not. They're not coming from a good place as it is. And like you say, Scotland left uh, Finn Russell out, so that that definitely leaves some doubts there. Okay, so we're going to leave it there. Uh, many thanks to Peter and Paul Rick. Uh, everyone, be sure to check out their own excellent online. Offerings, and uh, we hope to have you both on the pod again soon. Thanks, lads. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Thanks very much, Jeff. No problem. Well, that's it for our latest pod. Stay tuned to harpenandrugby.com during the week for all our regular features. And of course, we'll be giving Saturday's match in the Aviva the full harp and treatment with pods before and after, as well as a whole lot in between. So be sure you're following any or all of our social media channels. The links are in the program notes. In the meantime, stay safe, everyone. Slan.